Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. We are weak, but He is strong. Hi, I'm Kevin Biltman, your host and recovering burned-out pastor who's here to share with you sermons and songs from friends of mine that I hope will be a blessing to you. Don Ray from the state of Washington speaks to us a message about the Lord's Supper and how it connects us with the saints of the past, present, and future which is exactly what our song for today also talks about. So be sure and listen to that at the very end. But for now, Pastor Ray. As we prepare to enter into the text in 1 Corinthians 11, I'll invite you to think back to a memorable family meal. Can you picture a time like that? Maybe where a special dish was served? Uh, And not just any dish, but maybe one of those family recipes uh, that's been passed down over the years. Maybe it was your mom's 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 recipe. Maybe it was grandma's beloved blackberry tart that was served for dessert. Or if you have German blood flowing, that family secret sauerkraut recipe. Maybe you don't like sauerkraut. I used to not like sauerkraut until I had real sauerkraut that was made by a German grandma. Maybe there's a meatball recipe or a lasagna recipe that has been in your family that your aunt inherited from her husband's grandma that you've continued to pass along through the years. Think back to that memorable family meal. And we can picture when we're in those moments, when we're nibbling on those dishes, we're not only enjoying, right, the food itself, but at that moment, with the nibbling, comes reminiscing and remembering, right? Sometimes the food evokes memories of that loved one or that person or that time. Eating, eating grandma's dish takes us back to times when maybe we got to eat with her. Or we've heard stories of our loved ones eating with her many years ago. And as we make those dishes in our own home, the smells permeate. Our, the Lord has made us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made and our smells connect to our memories. So you might smell that dish and instantly you're taken back to that moment or that meal. And we appreciate that time of togetherness that we've shared. And over time, too, as we ourselves become grandparents, great-grandparents, we may have the joy of passing down those recipes, right, to our loved ones with the hope that they can continue on and carry those dishes forward for years to come. So at, at one table, at one time, in one place, when we're sharing these dishes and having these memorable meals together, it's a blessed family meal that brings together the past, the present, and the future all at one point. It's a little bit of what's happening today in 1 Corinthians 11. The Apostle Paul here, he's, he's addressing Holy Communion in greater depth. He touched on it briefly in chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. But here in chapter 11, the last half of 11, he uses the phrase five times. He says, when you come together. He says that five times. And he's, so, he's, he's reminding the Corinthians and us that there is a uniting that's taking place in this meal, right? If you recall a couple of weeks ago, we talked about two sides of the same koinonia, right? That God unites us in Christ and unites us with each other. There is a coming together around this shared blessed food and meal. Even more than just uniting us in Christ and with each other, maybe a little bit like that family meal we're trying to remember Holy Communion is a meal where the churches 
past, present, and future all come together in a single place. It's a, in that regard, this is a meal unlike any other. It's served at a single time and place, but it's also a meal that transcends all time and all places. And it brings us into a narrative, a story, an experience that's far grander than just our own. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for your living and active word, for your word, the inspired scriptures through the Apostle Paul, speaking to a specific people, specific time and place in 55 AD in the city of Corinth. And also your word through Paul is for us and for all who are yet to come in the faith. This text unites past, present, and future just as your supper does for us. Bless us, Lord, today as we prepare to hear your word, open our minds to understand your scriptures, and prepare our hearts, Lord, to receive even more joyfully your body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, first, if you're following along in your sermon notes, the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, it is a meal of the past, and specifically the Passover. Right? If you know your Old Testament history, that was the Old Testament feast celebrated by the Jews. We see that in Exodus chapter 12 especially. You might remember from that passage, that's where God institutes the Passover meal. And as God prepared to bring his people out of Egypt, 430 years of slavery in Egypt, he also decided that he would strike down the firstborn of all those living in the land of Egypt, in part to bring Pharaoh to his knees, as it were, to bring Pharaoh at least to the point where he would actually and finally release God's people from slavery with this horrible plague of the death of the firstborn. An angel of death would, would come over the land of Egypt and all the firstborn people, livestock, animals would die. But this would not be the case for God's chosen people. Because through Moses, if you remember in Exodus 12 again, God instructed his people and each of their households, listen to this imagery, it's such a beautiful connection, to sacrifice a lamb and paint the doorposts of their houses with the blood of the lamb. And as you know from Exodus 12, when the angel of death would come into the land of Egypt that night to strike down the firstborn, here is what God said would happen. This is verses 13 and 14 of Exodus 12. We'll read here, it says, The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. The Lord says this, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. It's Exodus 12, 13, and 14. As part of that same new feast, this is back around 1445 B.C., God instructed them to roast lamb, and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. That was the first Passover meal, which God told them to celebrate every year. 
as a remembrance of what he had done for them in saving their lives. And so when we partake of the Lord's Supper today, it is a family meal that unites us with God's people all the way back to 1445 B.C. and their deliverance from Egypt in the days of Moses. We are linked back to the past with Moses and God's people through this meal. And in that way also, it unites us with all believers who have departed before us in the faith. You think about those recipes that have been passed down to us over the years. We think about the loved ones who passed them down to us. Grandma maybe was a faithful follower of Jesus, or mom, or an aunt, or a grandfather, or a dad. And now they're at peace and at rest with Jesus in paradise. But as we come to the table, we can remember that this is the same meal they enjoyed, they participated in. So it's part of our past as well, all of our dearly departed Christian friends. We might remember sharing communion with them. So it links us back all the way, almost 3,500 years, and links us back through our own family tree of faith. So it's a meal of the past, but it's not just a meal of the past, it's also undoubtedly a meal of the present. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he was, we might remember, celebrating what meal with his disciples? The Passover meal. On the night he was betrayed, it was that meal, the Passover meal, celebrating, remembering the blood of the Lamb and the angel of death passing over God's people. It was that meal at which he gave the new covenant and the words of institution. Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood, the bread, the wine, a new covenant, the night of the Passover. And that present reality, it it brings to mind a little bit of Moses, speaking of Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy just means second law or second giving of the law. So Moses gave the Ten Commandments 40 years before. Now he's nearing the end of his life and ministry. And before God's people go into the promised land, he's giving it to them a second time. That's all Deuteronomy means. So it's a recapitulation, a restating of God's law and promises. But listen to how Moses speaks both in the past and present, linking the same thing together. This is Uh, This is in Deuteronomy 5. He says, Hear, O Israel, the name of God's people, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and rules that I speak in your hearing today. And you shall learn these and be careful to do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. So at one and the same time, Moses is speaking to God's people and say, listen today to what I'm giving you, and what I'm giving you today was given to us 40 years before. He's linking both the past and the present to here in this moment. It's a, it's a historic covenant. It's rooted in the past, but it has a living, present, here and now reality. He says, listen today, here today. And so for us also, as we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper, the Word of Christ, the body and blood of Christ are living and active. God is not dead. He is alive. We serve a living, risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's living and active. And so notice, here we're hearing and we're receiving historic words spoken by the Lord in 33 A.D., 
but they have a present tense. You hearing that? Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. Ancient words, as it were, spoken by a God who is without time, but spoken in the present. Notice how Jesus doesn't say, take, eat, this was my body, or will eventually be my body. He says it is, in the current moment, today, here, and now. And the beautiful connection that happens between that first Passover and that night the Lord was betrayed, remember that. On Good Friday, the next day, Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, would be the sacrificed Passover lamb. And so for us, through faith in Christ, in receiving his body and blood, eternal death passes over us. We do not suffer condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Eternal death passes over us just as temporal death passed over the Israelites long ago. So as receiving his body and blood in the present, it's tying the past together with it also. And as we receive that sacrament, you are now being forgiven. As you receive Christ's body and blood, you're forgiven in that moment, in that meal. It's not a, it's not it's not a, a past thing of, oh, remember your baptism and some kind of like long ago dead truth. It's a living present reality. The Lord is forgiving you for your actual sins. Actually today, right here and right now. It's a, it's a blessed family meal unlike any other that brings the past and present together. But it also transcends even the past and the present. And so in that regard, communion is thirdly a meal that unites us with what's yet to come. Paul bookends his whole letter to the Corinthians in chapter 1, verse 7, and then 16, 22. In 1, verse 7, he says, we are waiting for the revealing, the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're waiting for him to come again, and we still are. And then at the very end of his letter, right before his last greeting in 1622, he says, Our Lord, come! It's a prayer. Paul begins with the hope of our Lord's coming and ends with the prayer that Jesus would indeed come. And so there is this now and not yet reality. We have the promise, but it's not yet here in full. And then we think again and we see John's picture talking about the revealing and the revelation. Revelation chapter 7 gives us that beautiful picture of what we will one day see. It's worth reading. It's Revelation 7, 9 to 17. In part, at least, John gets that vision of the new heavens and new earth. He says, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then John gets that vision of those who have come out of the great tribulation, those who have suffered and struggled and endured and experienced trials, even to the point of death on earth. John says they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Eternal death passed over them. 
And he says, therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Here is a great picture of hope for us yet to come. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's our vision of our future reality that is yet to come. Through faith in Jesus Christ, through his body and blood that washes us and purifies us, we will receive and participate in that Revelation 7 picture. It will be a beautiful day. So as we come to receive the body and blood of our Lord and Savior today, let's remember again, it is a meal, a favorite family meal, if you will, that's rooted in the past, in a historic reality, with Moses and Jesus on the cross. It's also a meal for you here and now. God is working forgiveness for you today. And it reminds us of the yet-to-come reality. It's an unparalleled promise of life in heaven and the new heavens and the new earth. And there in that place with all of our loved ones, all of those who've gone before us in the faith, even indeed Moses and Jesus himself, we will forever participate in the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Amen. Normally I share songs from other friends of mine, but today's message just begged me to play this song that I wrote called A Taste of Your Presence. And the part of the song that ties in so well with today's sermon is the bridge where you will hear the words, a taste of true fellowship with saints of the past, our hope for the future and joy that will last, a taste of your kingdom, a taste of your strife, proclaiming your death till you come and raise us to life. You gather us in this place. Jesus, it's you that we praise promises heard in your holy word fulfilled by your incredible grace we taste the bread we taste the wine a taste of your presence mysterious divine here is your body here is your blood here is forgiveness, a taste of your love. Father and Spirit and Son, bring us together as one, drawing us near with your presence here, a foretaste of the to come, we taste the bread, we taste the wine, a taste of your presence, mysterious divine, here is your body, here is your blood, here is forgiveness, a taste of your love.
Taste of your presence, mysterious divine. Here is your body, here is your blood. Here is forgiveness, a taste of your love. We taste the bread, we taste the wine. A taste of your presence, mysterious divine. Here is your body, here is your blood. Here is forgiveness, a taste of your love. Here is forgiveness, a taste. 